Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm James, and Luke isn't here right now, actually. He is on vacation currently. I'm about to go on vacation, so this week we are going to be releasing a From the Vault episode, which is something we do to release a Patreon episode into our main feed, so that's what you're going to be hearing here. This was an episode that we did on the 2019 film Tolkien, or Tolkien, as we talk about in this episode, Hard Habit to Break. Normally we do, you know, adaptation adjacent things. This is sort of a film about Tolkien. Fun conversation I really enjoyed. And I think you will as well. So if you're interested in this kind of content, this this episode actually came out like a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I believe. If you're interested in getting this content a little earlier, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash ink to film and you'll get that, those episodes monthly. Enjoy the episode. This one we're talking about 2019's Tolkien. It's the biopic about Tolkien, directed by Dome Karakowski. Hopefully I said that right. Karakowski. Tolkien. <laughs> Tolkien. <laughs> the movie makes a point to, to, to correct our pronunciation. And you know what's funny is the, the professor that sort of says it incorrectly in the first place doesn't even say the pronunciation that I would have expected. Yeah, he doesn't say it the way everybody incorrectly says it i think probably to make us to make to try and not make the audience feel guilty uh, deliberately you know what i mean yeah i guess that's true that's probably probably a good reason why so i want to know have you have you seen this film before watching it for this no i hadn't this is the first time okay i I had watched it on a plane um and this was a very different experience watching it this time so i honestly have no idea uh what you what you think of this movie we haven't talked about it at all uh so i'm very curious what were your thoughts on tolkien 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 i have a lot of thoughts um overall um i I didn't love it i think that it was a i think it was interesting to sort of get in in uh a different perspective on tolkien than i was expecting overall it was just kind of a i felt it was like kind of a run-of-the-mill biopic like there wasn't anything like shockingly good about it or anything that kind of added any new elements that I wasn't expecting. Um, but that said, like, I think that the sort of the relationship between between Edith and and Tolkien in the film, though, like, I think that that was a, I think, you know, the, the issue with biopics is I feel like when you go into them, you're thinking, one, how is the filmmaker kind of skewing the 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 sort of material how is he skewing like what happened in real life to make it more dramatic also like what they're trying to you know how they're trying to make the audience feel about this person Mm -hmm. you know whether it's like glorifying them in a way that maybe you know they don't necessarily you know fit maybe that like making their life seem larger than life uh and i think that this movie falls into that a little bit i think that we get sort of for one i don't think tolkien would have liked this interpretation of all of this stuff because of we talked about it in our actual our actual episode of Return of the King, the third one, how, he, you know, multiple times we've talked about how he dislikes allegory, but specifically in this movie, we kind of hinted at the fact that we watched it for this bonus episode. And, you know, I don't think he would have been a fan of this because it's like almost one-to-one comparisons for sort of his material to World War One, yeah, um, and a lot of other stuff there. But I, I guess overall, it, it like, I liked seeing the idea of Tolkien as this like language-obsessed person who eventually used that and his relationship to create the Lord of the Rings. I think that's an interesting angle to take, but I also felt like it, it leaned heavily into that and it it felt very biopic, like, like look how amazing this person's life was in every, in every way and how everything's so it all lines up perfectly. And it all was like this full circle thing. And 
Um, I don't know. It, it just and, and, you know, maybe that's an issue I have with biopics in general. I do think biopics tend to be kind of pandering to people who are already fans of these people or they're, sure. or they're open to being like, oh, my God, can you believe that this actually happened there? Everybody's always talking about biopics. Like, can you believe it actually happened, though? And like, yes, it's it's amazing. But um, I well, think and that some of it doesn't always actually happen it, the way that it was portrayed famously. <laughs> right. And so like when you start to skew it, like you're really getting it's like a documentary in that way. How like, you know, the documentarian is deciding how you're going to feel at the end of the documentary about this subject or person or something like that. So sure. it feels very interpretive with all of this information. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoyed watching it. What I recommended to people, probably not. Okay. What about to diehard Tolkien fans? Yeah, I think watch it for sure. I think you just just for like, like I said, the perspective of seeing him as this language obsessed person who you know, had a very interesting life and went through a lot of things. And, and, you know, as much as Tolkien wouldn't have liked it, I think everybody does sometimes draw allegory to his life and his work. Mm-hmm. I think, I just think that the film went really heavy on it and, and really said like this, this is why he felt this way. And this is why the fellowship was these people. And, you know, this is, this is what the orcs are. And, and you're just like, Sauron is bombs and stuff like that. And you're just like, all right, <laughs> Sauron is bombs. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, so for my take, um, this, this is now a movie I've seen twice because I saw it on a plane originally. First time I watched it really didn't care for it. Um, I think Mm -hmm. I might've even texted you something to the effect of like, yeah, not really worth it. Um, I was curious, but it just didn't really grab me. Um, this time around, I enjoyed it a little more. Um, I think I knew what I was going in for, like I knew what I was going to get out of it. Um, and whereas when you go in the first time, my expectations were wide open. I didn't know what I was going to get. Um, and I agree, it goes really, really hard into this idea that his experiences in the world, you know, the Great War, the First World War, um, are the directly the thing that inspired him to write Lord of the Rings the way he wrote it. And it focuses heavily on that. We get a lot of kind of a he's in the Battle of the Somme um, and he's getting it's like a series of flashbacks that tell his life story. And the first time I went in, I I think I wanted a far nerdier movie. (laughs) Um, As someone who consumes a lot of information about authors and their processes and talking about how they get their ideas and the struggles that they have with their creative process and all this stuff, um, there's almost none of that in here. Um, Instead, we get a highly mythologized, almost magical story about the world sort of conspiring to get like grant him all these ideas um, that builds the Lord of the Rings as, as a, this, this story that is timeless. And I, okay, that's fine. But personally, I don't view art that way. Um, I like to view artists as more of craftsmen. And I think there's a lot of hard work that has to go into the ideas. And uh, so the parts of the movie that shined most for me was a lot of the stuff when he was on campus and when he was talking to his professor, who was a philologist, and they were discussing language and like what it means to society. Like I want I wanted a complete reversal and amount of screen time on what was in the war and what was on that stuff, because I feel like that was way more important to Tolkien. um, And I would have liked to really linger there and explore how language affected his writing process. Um, and I, he, he probably did extensive writing about this sort of thing. So I think the, the material's there, but I also understand that when you're making a biopic and you're trying to put, you know, butts in theaters, you want to be able to throw together a trailer that shows some exciting action and the, you know, in the war and you want to draw people in with this other thing. So I, my recommendation is not for what I think 
is necessarily a movie that would make more money. It's for what I think would be a better movie to me personally. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think a tale as old as time, right? Like I, I'm constantly watching things and I'm like, oh, I wish that, you know, I wish that they weren't going for the thing that's going to put butts in seats, but mm-hmm. is what it is, happens. Right. So, I, you know, I want to I highlight things I liked. I watched this uh, last weekend with my wife and she had not seen it. And we both really were feeling the early scenes when uh, he starts making friends. And then he he joins this group of guys and they start going to the cafe and like discussing art. And and every one of them has their own aspirations. And um, they're running around in the halls of this like old English school. And it was very kind of Harry Potter in a way. Yeah, Hogwarts, yeah. All of that stuff. It, it was jovial. It was friendship. And it's something that like right now, you know, in this moment in time, it's hard to come by like in-person camaraderie right because we're all social distancing and physical distancing in our homes um so in that sense i really was connecting with that um those parts and i wanted more of that and then um the war stuff for me like i am a bit of a history nerd like i'll go and i'll watch videos about historical events and in in particular uh the psalm was something i had done some research on and um so it was interesting me for me to see this part it just felt like a weird um, it, like, like it, it just loomed too large in the film. Like I, I wanted it to be a, be a part of it, but maybe not be sort of the through line that connects everything. Um, which is what, how it really functioned here. Barring the fact that Tolkien disliked allegory, I think some of the stuff that they tried to weave in with the war was, was cool and interesting. And you can see sure. how like that, that, that could lead you to feel certain ways and write a story similar to Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, like you said, whether that's whether that's discounting his sort of magnum opus here is to an argument that we've talked about a lot. But I think, like you said, there's just too much of the war. I think you show it a little bit here and there. And then ultimately, I like like he. I guess we get the scene of him coming out into no man's land when when like sort of he's seeing all of the Sauron and the fire breathing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and that's like kind of what it paid off for, but like we, it didn't feel like it was there. Like it didn't feel like the payoff was, was worth all of the buildup of, of multiple, multiple scenes of flashing back to him, like laying in pools of blood. And like, you kind of draw parallels to him as like Frodo when Frodo has been hurt and there's a guy named Sam in the trenches with him who's helping him. And it's just a lot of allegory, um, and (laughs) maybe too much, uh, war stuff in general for this movie that didn't really need it. And it, and it felt like they, they ran into a problem of, like, they don't have time to tell the complete story. Um, so instead, they have to focus on certain time periods in his life. Famously, Tolkien was a member of another writing group um, after the war, uh, w- including someone like C.S. Lewis and others, who uh, was very influential in his writing. And he was already sort of involved in academia and doing that. And like, that doesn't even get mentioned in the movie. I actually blended the two. I thought I didn't realize that, that I thought C.S. Lewis was part of the early group. So when we first were meeting these kids, I was like, Oh, one of them is going to be C.S. Lewis. Right. Um, but, but wasn't, no, that was, um, like a group that he was much younger as far as I understand it. Um, whereas then he, he formed another group later on, um, which I can understand. Like it, it sort of, that might be weird to put in a movie, but, that's true. And then, yeah, the Second World War occurs later on while he's right, like before he's comp- has these novels completed. And you are so heavily focusing on the allegory of his experiences in the First World War, you are completely ignoring the 
fact that he probably uh, was heavily affected by the times he lived in during the Second World War while he was finishing writing the series. So right. I guess I guess we could the argument could be made that like everything in this story was sort of although there was too much Sauron I guess but I was gonna say all of it could have just been like the inspiration for the Hobbit and then he continued on in life to write more you know because I think the Hobbit came out before the fir- the Second World War right. 1937 yeah so that would have been a little bit before uh a little bit before the second world War started yeah so he had written he had written the hobbit and then the lord of the rings that came after that's true so this is more like the the start of him inventing middle earth and writing the hobbit i guess that makes sense but, and so that that explains sort of fire breathing dragons and things like that but, more. Sauron. but there's a lot of sauron <laughs> and Which, a lot of like other things that weren't necessarily huge looming huge in in um you know, in the Lord of the Rings or in the, in Hobbit, the Hobbit itself, yeah. they're, they're more in Lord of the Rings. Right. And like this fellowship, like that's not really what it was. It was this group of dwarves. And I don't know. Right. I, I did really love. The, so the thing that I like was the more subtle way that they they sort of implied to me that his professor, who was this philology professor, was the inspiration for Gandalf in some way. Totally. Um, yeah, totally. And I, I loved that because they didn't like overdo it. So right. many times where they would do it, like they they have like a little bit of CGI or they have a little bit of like music to cue to like show you like ooh look at the way the shadows are and hear those sounds and you know right. like I'm so glad they didn't look at him and like he was casting a shadow that looked like Gandalf you know pointy hat or something <laughs> yeah I'm like so glad they didn't do that but that's the kind of thing they did a lot in this movie um, right. and to me it was like sort of hit or miss some of it worked some of it didn't some of it was a little cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, some of it I did think was was, you know, I I think the idea of having a group of close knit friends that are like closer than brothers leading to the fellowship, that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? That doesn't it doesn't I I don't think that that is is an example of something that didn't. But yeah, you could there's like moments where like, you know, his future wife is dancing and things like that. And you're like, is this supposed to be a representation of like Arwen or Galadriel? I think it was like an elf of some kind. Yeah, yeah. But th- I thought that those were some of the more okay ones because they were more, like again, a little, a little bit more subtle, um, right? You know, some of the some of, at, at times it was probably some of the war stuff was felt a little ha- heavy handed. Some of the uh, the smoke at night he would look up and he'd see like vines growing on the and shadows on the roof and you could tell it was like an end he was thinking about and like some of that was yeah. a little on the nose. Um, but like I said, I, I don't want to shit on it completely. Like it was okay, but it was maybe a bit much at times. Definitely. One or two of those things I think would have been like a cool nod. And the, yeah. but it's like everything he everywhere he looked, he was constantly, you know, seeing what he would eventually write, which is like, again, like kind of reductive. Well, yeah, it's and it's also just kind of I, I feel like it's the way that people um, who are not writers look at writers and think that, that that's that's how they are all the time. They're like, oh, who who is this person with like this character in this book? Like, who's that represent within your life that, you know, and speak to on a daily basis? You're like, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody. But yeah, in, in general, it felt kind of it kept, like magical thinking, um, like putting putting like mythologizing the idea of, of being a writer. Now, um, you, so you brought up the. No, you brought up the conversation that's had, but but I think um, it's specifically at first between Edith and and Tolkien, and mm-hmm. they're having the conversation at dinner, talking about language, you know, the sound versus the meaning, and that whole conversation was mm-hmm. probably the highlight of the movie for me. Uh, just like the seeing their relationship blossom, and yeah. like the way that like she she was able to like get this guy who was very analytical to understand that like with the touch of a hand, like there's more to the word touch than yeah. than you know than than is there. And I thought I thought all of that stuff 
was worth it for the price of admission for this yeah. movie. I thought like that. That's the kind of stuff that, that I was into. That and the conversations with the professor, the yeah. language stuff was 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 some of the best. Definitely. Um, that reminds me of a uh, a review I saw. I didn't read the whole thing because I didn't want it to influence me, but <laughs> too much. Mm-hmm. But it, it was something I just kept thinking of, and it was saying that the worst parts of the Tolkien film are when he's in war. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't. Uh, I mean, they weren't bad, but like the point being that a lot of the best stuff is when he's not in war, and and I agree with that. And and um, seeing him struggling to find his own, you know, find his way to. F- you know, I, I found the the stuff about him like potentially losing his scholarship and and being restricted from being able to be with Edith. Like, I found all of that drama highly compelling. Even the rugby stuff early on, like where he's like, you know, getting friends from this like like scrum. Right, they're going through like a scrum. They're all like together and they start fighting and stuff. And like multiple people going through trials together and like like forging friendships and that sort of fire. I think is cool. There was one sort of subplot that I that I thought was really intriguing. And that was all uh, all the stuff surrounding Jeffrey, um, his one of his friends who wanted to be a poet and who he was looking for the psalm and then ends up dying. And then he has this conversation with his mother after the fact where he convinces her to publish this book, like, you know, posthumously post, uh, publish this book of poetry that Jeffrey had mm-hmm. written and the way he has to sort of convince her. And I, I felt like they were doing a lot with like some some subtext with that character um and you know oh yeah i know you mean i don't know if that's based off of anything true or if that's something that the filmmaker just wanted to go with but i found it really interesting you know what i mean and like i don't want to i almost don't want to reduce it by you know you know what i mean by picking it apart too much but other than just to say that i found it interesting and i found it i found the discussions about his poetry and um how important it was to tolkien to have it continue on after his death and and his, the way he convinced um his mother to do that really affecting right now i do have the question and it's just an open question i don't really have a i don't know where i land on it right now do we think that in trying to make tolkien seem more progressive that he had like a friend that was seemingly i mean i what, what from what i understand was seemingly the subtext was that he was gay do we think that by ma- trying to make Tolkien seem more progressive in that way in this movie with with I don't you know and we I don't know if there's the information out there that this person was, um, but do we think that there's something kind of icky about that like sort of being like look how progressive he was as a person and like like you should like him because he was a forward thinker and you know he didn't because it seemingly with from his work I think we can see that he wasn't necessarily the most progressive thinker of the time, but you know. Yeah, um, but like sort of posthumously trying to make him seem more progressive. How do you feel about that? I don't. I don't agree that that's what they were doing. Um, to me, to me, I, I do agree that they were hinting that that could be the case for his friend. Um, There's a couple moments where it felt like that was something they were trying to say. I think particular the moment that really stands out was when he um, talked about unrequited love to mm-hmm. him and like how important it is to him and then i he kind of looks at him like oh that was a bit much um and and that was my moment where i was like okay they're trying maybe they're trying to say something here um this is at a time where i think it was probably much less common to come out with your sexuality so i don't know that anyone could know that about someone who's been dead for that long without like direct evidence Mm-hmm. Um, so they were trying to, I, I think that's why they were being careful to in the way that they were sort of implying it. Um, okay. 
I don't know that they were trying to make Tolkien look progressive because I think the movie implies that Tolkien perhaps didn't even know. Um, and I, I could totally see that being the case. Um, and then the other reason that I don't know that they did that is that I think Tolkien kind of comes off as a dick throughout a lot of this movie, especially a lot of the ways that he interacts with Edith and being like really a jealous asshole early on um, mm-hmm. and learning from it a little bit. But then we never see him the way that he fixes it actually doesn't fix it. I don't know if you noticed that, like he he's a jealous asshole to her and not doesn't allow her to speak to, you know, to her to his friends about music and then his way of fixing it is like taking her on a date, which is still very sort of possessive. Yeah, exactly. Um, instead of instead of bringing her back and saying, you know what, have a conversation with my friends. I'm comfortable with this. I'm not threatened by this. Right. I I thought at first what they were building to was that he was threatened by the fact that she was like a woman with agency and like sort of intellect to match his own kind of thing. Like he was threatened by that. But yeah, that's not like by the end, I realized that's not what they were building to. So I was surprised when it was just like a he wanted him. He wanted her all to himself, I think. Right. And and let me let me let me be clear. I'm okay with that. Like, I I like the idea of like, don't show him as this perfect person. You know what I mean? Like, I I like to see a little bit warts and all. In fact, I could have been okay with a little more of that. Um, I, I just think it needs to be challenged on screen more by other characters. Right. Rather than put forward as like, fine. And and uh, I wanted to see a little more of Edith pushing back. I love the parts where she was saying, there's no secret. There's no secret tea society for me. You know what I mean? Like, I just sit at home all day and play the piano for this woman who just wants terrible saccharine music. And, you know, I'm a pr- I'm a prisoner, essentially. And and I love that. Like, that was that was so affecting. Um, and I wanted to see that go somewhere other than Tolkien you know, taking her on a secret date, which is essentially what happened after that, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, but I mean, overall, it was, it's an okay movie. Like I said, I liked it more the second time because I sat down knowing, knowing what I was going to get. I, I knew that I wasn't going to get this like really deep look at his creative process. Instead, I was going to get this kind of mythologized version. Um, I like the, there is a tragic story with his two friends dying at the battle of the Somme that he fought in. Like that is incredibly tragic. And I can understand the impetus to make the movie about that primarily. And that's what it's about. I think that, you know, this I, I talked about earlier that like biopics kind of suffer from some of this pulling pulling from real life events and then tr- sort of dramatizing them. I think you're I think you you kind of led me to a point though. So I think that if it had been more about his process, if it had been more about what makes Tolkien unique um, as a writer, I think that it would have been a bi- better biopic because I think that you, you have to really dig into like why are we making a biopic about this person? And I think that this just ended up being like like let's see the story of this person who then created this thing that went on to become massive i don't think it had anything like it it didn't show like the uniqueness of him himself i think you know there's a little bit i think the language stuff showed it but i I think like so there's a little bit it's it's the it's the language stuff i i see what you're saying because it's like show us the the uniqueness of his mind and why he was uniquely suited to write the story the way that he did don't show us all the crazy shit that happened to him. Like, I don't know, or do show it, but like, you gotta make sure the focus is in the right spot. Yeah, don't make it about It that. seems like it was very much about like, all this crazy shit happened to this person, so look what they went on to write, rather than what made this person uniquely suited to write the story that he wrote. Yes. Yeah, so I agree with great, you there. Great uh, crystallization there. <laughs> nice work. 
Uh, so I do um, have no, no, you no. I'm saying like you did a good job because like I, I was okay. all over the place kind of with it. Um, I do want to mention one more thing. The I saw in some research that the family and estate wish to make clear that they did not approve of, authorize, or participate in the making of this film. They do not endorse it or its contents in any way. Yeah, I had heard that too. Um, apparently, they're fairly famous for doing that for a lot of stuff that is written about him. Um, yeah. I would be really curious to know like the thinking behind that. Um, if, if that's just like a blanket, uh, a blanket like that's how we are about everything it is as sort of a policy or if it was specifically certain things in this movie that, that they were like, we can't get behind this. Um, I think they, I they said that before having seen the movie. Um, like, right. I think they just put that out there beforehand, um, which I, which makes me think that I think because they're not Tolkien himself in order to like preserve his legacy, I think their way about of going about it is just basically saying like anything beyond what he physically did, we don't endorse even yeah. though it seems like sometimes they do. Or we put out ourselves, probably. Like, if they were to write their own thing, then they would probably, like, you know, that would be the official, quote-unquote, But even, even if they did write it, like, they're, I'm sure they're going off of manuscripts or something that he physically, you know, made in some way. Right, Whereas, his like, diaries his or something, is, like, maybe. clearly, like, he didn't write a biography, so, like, or, or I, that I know of. Maybe he did, yeah. but... Autobiography, yeah. Yeah, autobiography. So, I'm gonna... This is kind of sort of beside the point, so maybe it's not the last thing we should talk about, but I wanted to bring it up. Uh, one of the things I learned about the psalm that I thought was really interesting, when you do take this movie at face value and the idea of um, a lot of the ideas for Mordor and Sauron coming from this battle, mm-hmm. uh, the Battle of the Psalm is the first major battle to ever see a tank. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, it's like the idea of like otherworldly things like... Can you imagine? You know what I mean? Like... A tank has never been seen on a battle fo- a battlefield before, and yet there is one all of a sudden. Right. Imagine seeing being be- way back in like medieval times and seeing the first cannon or whatever, right. and just like how much that changed warfare, and like how much a tank would change warfare then. And tanks crazy. essentially ended trench warfare but, because they right. were so effective. They rolled right over them. They rolled yeah. right up, but because before that, trenches were the way. You know. So, which is a horrific way to fight. Um, yeah, but which, this, was, this, which was on display. Like, I, I, I am into a world, a movie about the First World War. I probably really need to watch 1917. I was literally about to bring it up. I was literally <laughs> about to bring it up. Okay. So the the other thing is that, like, you know, had I, had I seen this when you saw it, which was would have been pre-1917 for me. Well, I still haven't maybe seen I, that. Yeah. No, I'm, what I'm saying is, like, you know, I, had I seen it when you saw it, it would have been before mm-hmm. I saw 1917. I got so, you. I, I don't know. I just kept thinking about 1917 because it's a World War One like trench warfare movie, and uh, it's fucking amazing. And so to like see a movie that like can't decide if it wants to be a war movie or can't decide if it wants to be like a sort of literature biopic, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of just like, man, this doesn't this this these battle this battle stuff is cool that they they did it. I think the set design looked great. A lot of it yeah. looked really good, um, but just like in comparison to what I'd seen seen fairly, you know, a few months ago. It's I want to, I want to give a couple shout outs to some of the war stuff that I did think were, was particularly effective. Okay. Um, one of them was the pool of blood and the, and the, the sort of crater of bodies. I yeah, thought it was, was, was a very gross, very effective moment. Um, I liked the idea of him having trench fever, which is true. That's why he ended mm-hmm. up leaving the front. Do you feel like it's very, very Frodo being stabbed by the Nazgul? Like sort of when he's laying there with all yeah, covered up and yeah. like laying on the I ground. I also think it le- it it really lends itself to the embellishments that they were doing because if you are fev- you know febrile if you are feverish and you 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 can often hallucinate. So if you're literally on the front hallucinating monsters, which is something that people do often hallucinate, 
I can see it, man. But so, I think that's the most reductive version yes, of but sort of Tolkien, right? Because it's like, oh, he was like, yeah. you could just take drugs and go on a drug trip and then come back with a book written. Like that's like that's like seemingly what like I feel like a general audience member might see from this is like if you hallucinate, you might get ideas for books and like that's how you come up with dragons and sorrow. Well, and, if you hallucinate in the trenches and the you know in the right. war, but but I I agree. I, like I guess I'm I'm agreeing both ways. Like I agree that I think it is kind of reductive, but I I also think that it gives them license to do what they did. Like it's not it's not completely made up and fabricated you know what i mean like they're 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 relying on that as a sort of story engine now a couple of the scenes i really liked um when he when they start the first time they start yelling gas and he rolls over and he has to put his little hood on and he's just like looking up and you see the green gas come over top of him because you know mustard gas was incredibly deadly and definitely used in the trenches and the way when it zoomed out and you saw it looked otherworldly the way it was flowing over them um, was a really nice way to evoke a lot of the stuff that we see in Mordor and, you know, the Barrow Downs and such um, mm-hmm. without being, like, really, really obvious with it and, and right. still be in, like, a chilling scene just in as a war scene. And then uh, the one other that was maybe... I guess I'm, I'm, a, I'm not as, like, unreservedly a fan of it, but the, the flamethrowers uh, that then look like Dragonfire. Pretty cool. Right. I mean, like, if you're gonna make a if you're gonna make a Tolkien biopic with World War One and flamethrowers, like, you're gonna make the connection and you're gonna put it in the movie. Like, I don't I don't fault them for doing it. It is on the nose, obviously, but I, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Well, and just the the drama of like having to go over the top, which I love that that was yeah. a, that was a phrase they said. Like, oh, he already went over the top. Like, right. That how freaking terrifying it would be to charge another yeah. trench like that through no man's land. It's just yeah. wild. That's why I'm surprised that like there's not as there are plenty of World War One movies. There's a lot more than I think people realize. But World War Two has been hit like crazy, and you know, yeah. just it's like it's like going over the top is like an equivalent. I think there's to, more like, spectacle that people think about, whereas you know what I mean, because you can have you, there's a lot more aerial warfare. There's a lot more because like planes were fairly new. That was another crazy thing I was I was reading about with the First World War. The Wright brothers flew the first airplane in 1902. Right. So like a 10 years later, people are flying through the air or like in 15, war. 10, 12 years later. Yeah. In, in technology war. that was just invented like a decade before. Right. It's crazy. You know what I mean? It's and, wild. And, and that's how like rudimentary the air, all the aerial stuff was, Um, you know, so I, there's just a lot of insane stuff. And, it, and like it's obviously like incredibly depressing, like three of the largest battles ever fought were fought simultaneously. You had the Somme, and you had Verdun, and you had, um, I'm drawing a blank on the third one, but, th- but three of the largest battles ever fought were being fought at the same time in world history during right. this war. And, and it's just, it's, in Verdun, it was, it was like 30 square, mi- 30 square miles, or 30 square kilometers. Um, al- almost a million people died over the course of a few years. Crazy. Uh, it's just, it's wild to think about this kind of stuff, and um I don't know. I'm someone who, like, I definitely don't want to celebrate war, but I think it's worth remembering. Like, I think it's worth... It's history, yeah. You know, that's the classic history thing. It's like, you gotta, you have to, you know, we don't want to repeat the, repeat our mistakes of the past kind of thing. Right. But it is also yeah. fascinating in general. I think in the yeah. same way that I think people are fascinated by sort of serial killers and, and that sort of thing. It's like, yeah. it's something to engage your mind with and, and like, just think about like the tragedy of it and, and sort of that, that kind of thing. It's worth knowing and being aware of like what humanity's capable of and its darkest yeah. and you know what people can do especially in pursuit of like 
page you know being a patriot for your country like you know what i mean like i, I love that it was chilling the scene of um when they announced that britain's going to war and how excited and happy everyone was yeah and definitely i'm sure that was true to life absolutely yep. because it, this was also at a time where there had not been a lot of footage or reports coming in from the front um to like everyday people like, people didn't know what war was like to them, it was all about just going and, and earning honor, as it always is. Not to mention young kids either. Like they don't, they don't have the, they haven't had the world experience to understand it. I don't think yet. Yeah. Well, and, and even today, you see people doing it, but like back then, like there just wasn't any way to know about it. Yeah. Because like if there were veterans, they don't talk about it. And then other than that, like all you hear about is the grand, you know, people becoming men, people like earning honor for themselves, and and becoming great people of history. And so everybody thinks like, I want to go do that. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't until later where you started getting footage of what it actually looks like. And it was coming back that that became a game changer for a lot of people. Footage and photographs. I mean, I, I, the photograph is probably still fairly new back then. So, um, yeah, it, it was a pretty new thing. But OK, we've gone. I think we've talked a lot. We've got really into the <laughs> into the trenches here. Yeah. Um, anything else about about Tolkien, the film uh, that we want to talk about before we before we leave this thing? I feel like I've said mostly most of my points. I think I think just overall, you know, I don't I think if you go in with sort of like normal expectations and and you kind of just treat it as a biopic, it's enjoyable, I think. You know, we've talked about some of the things we like, some of the things we didn't, but overall like it's uh, you know, I think there's a reason why it, it wasn't like massive and everybody wasn't talking about it. Yeah. There's a reason it wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody or something. I no, I haven't seen that one either, but Or like The King's Speech or it's like It's interesting any of these that there's like, all these other of, biopics that have been huge lately, but this one, you know, has not been like that. The Imitation so. Game, like all these it's crazy like some of them some of them take off and some of them just people people never yeah. even hear of. Any quick uh, observations as to why you think this one wasn't one of the ones that really hit? Well, I think for the reasons that I said that we were specifically the sort of uniqueness, like you have to focus in on specifically like every reason because there's I'm sure there's ton hundreds of biopics about writers. So you have to like really key into the fact that like Tolkien was the way he was because of language. And they did. I think when they did, they did a great job of it. Um, but they also made the mistake of sort of like trying to to fit all of his life into this little into this little two-hour movie yeah and and i think that it's it's you you kind of do you end up doing a lot of highlights and you know mm -hmm. like the meat of it gets with the war stuff i think it's gets a, a little less focused than it could have been okay all right well that's where we're gonna leave it we will be back later this month until next time thanks for listening